Thanks for subscribing to the One Cause Podcast. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing. So we believe that the more you hear these truths, the more they will benefit your life. Remember, all it takes is believing it. There are so many beginnings and endings within our lives, okay? So many times we see a beginning or an ending, and if we're not careful to invite Jesus into those beginnings and endings, we can have a negative view of them, all right? We can have a negative view, and what that does typically, typically is it leads to bitterness and disappointment and regret and hurt. So it's our job as believers to say, Lord, whatever's happening in my life right now, whether it's a beginning or an ending, I want you here with me. Does that make sense to you? I want you here with me because I know that when you're with me, things are better. Can somebody say, yes, that's true. That's who God is. He wants to make your life better. He wants to provide for you. He wants to allow, he wants you to allow him to love you. If that makes sense to you. And we talked these last couple of weeks about the fact that uh, the Bible declares that we should not despise the day of small beginnings. I love that scripture in Zechariah chapter 4 verse 10. Don't despise the day of small beginnings because I believe that that's how God works, right? When, when this church, when this building was built, this thing didn't just show up. Some little things had to occur. There was grass here. There were rocks. They had to move things around. They had to bring things on site to build. And it didn't look like this place in the beginning. Didn't look like that in the beginning because it was a process. And our lives are like that. Lives are a process. And so we're not called to, actually that word despise means to look down on or hold insignificant. God is not an insignificant God. Does that make sense to you? So when you have a small beginning, just thank the Lord. Lord, I want you in this. Or even an ending, if something, if a season in your life is changing and something's passing, moving on. Lord, I want you here with me. And so this week, we're going we're gonna to move into this, this word that I, I use a lot here. It may become kind of a bad word here because I use it all the time. And that word is perspective. And it's perspective. Because today I want to challenge you, if you leave, when you leave, because you will leave, when you leave today, take this one thought with you. And that thought is to take God and add, excuse me, take your perspective and add God to it. Okay, because our perspective can be slanted. Our perspective can be, uh, can be negative, can be positive. But when we add God to our perspective, no matter where we are, I believe Life is better. We're going to read through one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible today. We're not going to read the whole story because it's multiple chapters. But, um, but I believe it's time for us as believers to, to give credit where credit's due. And credit is due when God says, I bring life and that more abundant. I wish above all else that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. That the thief comes not but to steal, kill, and destroy. Let's give credit where it's due. Let's be people that take God at his word and say, you know what? If this negative situation is happening in my life, I know, number one, it's not from God. And number two, while it's here, I'm going to invite God into this thing so that I can have his peace. I can have the faith that he's put in me. I can speak words of life and move past this. 
Does anyone dare despise this day of small beginnings? They'll change their tune when they see Zerubbabel setting the last stone in place. That's Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10 in the message translation. And remember, I want to remind you from two or three weeks ago that Isaiah 46, 10 says that God declares the end from the beginning. So he has a purpose for you. Sitting here this morning or watching online, it may not feel like that. I don't know what you're going through. It may not feel like that, but he has a purpose for you. In the midst of trial, in the midst of tribulation, in the midst of heartache, he has a purpose for you. He turns things for good. And so one of the best stories that I can use to illustrate this is a story that helps me all the time, and it is the story of the man Joseph in Genesis chapter 37 through about 45, 46. It's the latter part of the book of Genesis. And I love this story because if there's anybody ever that could have lived in disappointment and bitterness and regret, it's him. So many ups and downs through his life. And the Bible is, is, the Bible chronicles his life very detailed. And so it's important that we see these ups and downs, there is one common factor. And that common factor is that he added God to his perspective. That he knew that God was with him. I'm going to read in Genesis chapter 39, verse 1. It says, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Now, let me stop for a second. (laughs) The story didn't start there. The story started with him being thrown into a hole in the ground by his family. His brothers left him for dead. Crafted a story to take back to their father, saying he was eaten by a wild animal because they were upset at him. The Bible actually says that he, he gave a a bad report of his brothers. And we don't really know if that is him lying about his brothers or if he was just saying, this is what they're doing. Either way, that's not the point. The story, the point of the story is that God was with him. God was with him. And no matter what circumstance presented itself, the Lord was with Joseph. And it's important that you see that this morning. As we're moving into 2022, I want this to be a year where we engage God like no other. Where we say, no matter what the circumstance is, no matter what is standing in front of me in this life, loss, heartache, grief, sickness, job change, loss of job, relational uncertainty, that God is with me. We want to be a people who say, Lord, please come on in. I'd love to have you here with me. Now, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Egypt, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph. Well, I'm glad that verse showed up. Because right now, all I've seen is this man left for dead by his own family, found by some traitors, sold into slavery... I'm really glad to know that in verse 2 it says the Lord was with him. Because in my mind at that point, I I don't know about you, but there's a potential to say, forget it. I give up. 
we're a few verses into this story, and it goes on for chapter after chapter after chapter. There's a potential for us to say, forget it. I'm done. I'm out of here. I'll just do whatever I want to do. If this is how it's going to be. But the Bible says the Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man. That doesn't sound like success to me. But it continues and we see these ups and downs and this rise and fall. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian, and his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight. Huh. And served him. And then he made him overseer of his house. So you're telling me in the midst of a terrible circumstance that God could turn this thing around? So much so that he's now in charge of his master's house and all that he put under his authority. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Folks, that's your God. That's who your God is. His blessing really can't be contained. The story has a bit of a rough start, but what we're going to see in a few moments, we'll, we'll move through this and we'll move into chapter 45, which is, and I can do this without crying, I promise I can do it. Chapter 45 is a beautiful story of redemption and reconciliation and forgiveness and second chances and moving into the future when God is with you. So he's thrown into a pit, left for dead, sold into slavery, gains favor from Potiphar, the Egyptian officer of Pharaoh. Then one day his boss's wife says, hey, sleep with me. And he says, no, I'm not going to do that. Why would I do that when this man's given me everything? That I, he's put me in charge of everything. Yeah. And the interesting thing that I want to remember or call to your attention here is the Bible says Joseph would not sin against God. And I believe that's because he knows that God is with him and that he's put him in that particular place on this road of life. That he's seen God working on his behalf. He says, this, this is my God. God is with me. I, why would I want to sin against him? Not sin, just sin against my master, my boss. But why would I want to jeopardize where my Lord has put me in this life? Some people may see it as the most negative place they've ever been. So he gained, he's, he's accused of that by Potiphar's wife, unjustly accused of adultery, and thrown into prison. Okay, so you're telling me this gets worse. Are you glad you came to church today? Glad you came to church today? Because it gets worse. Anybody ever had any hardships in life? Been through some stuff? <laughs> 
struggle, circumstance. Maybe somebody lied about you. Maybe you lost a job. Maybe you ran out of money. Maybe you argued with your spouse. He's accused of adultery, thrown into prison unjustly, and sits there to rot for we don't know how long, truly. The Bible says he was there for a while, and then he was there two more years. And in the midst of that, he gains favor from the prison warden. Who says, you know what? I want you to just run this thing. Just make it your own. Make the best of a bad circumstance. I know you're here, but listen, I trust you. Do whatever you want. Isn't that just like God? <laughs> make the best out of a terrible situation. And then one day, a couple of men are thrown into prison with him. And they are from the royal court. They're a butler and a baker from Pharaoh's court. And they say, you know what? We had these dreams, and we don't know what these dreams are, are, are that what they mean. Can you help us? Can you tell us what they mean? Because they're really unusual. And Joseph, <laughs> I don't know. This is a tough one. But he says, yes, your dream means that in three days you're going to be out of here. And your dream means that in three days you won't be alive anymore. Basically, that's what he says. But he says, I'll tell you, before he tells him what the dream is, he says, I'll tell you what, what you want to hear. I'm going to pray to the Lord, and the Lord's going to interpret your dream. But I want you to remember one thing. Me. When you get out of here, don't forget about me. Because I'm not even supposed to be in here. And if you can do anything, put in a good word for me. Guess what happens? Gets worse. Life forgot about him again. The Bible says two more years he sits there and rots. Till one day. Pharaoh's talking and he says, you know, I had these dreams, these really vivid, unusual dreams, and I don't even know what they mean. And the one guy that lived said, oh my gosh, you're not going to believe this, but remember a couple years ago when you threw me in jail? There was this Hebrew there that interpreted my dream and it came to pass just like he said it would. Maybe you should go get him and ask him. So they grab Joseph, shave him. I'm not going to look at you. Don't shave. You look great. Jason, you might want to trim it up a little bit. Shave. Brought him right before Pharaoh. And he says, here's what the Lord's telling you. So I won't go through the imagery. You can read this in Genesis. But he says, what the Lord is telling you is that there's going to be seven years of amazing harvest. And there's going to be plenty of food in Egypt. But immediately following that, there's going to be a famine and a drought like no one has ever seen in this place. And what the Lord's saying is he wants you to prepare during those seven fat years for the seven lean years to come. Make sure that you put aside what you need. And he's giving you this wisdom now so that you'll make good decisions. And Pharaoh says, I think you are wise. I think the Lord is with you. You're very sharp. So much so that I'm actually going to promote you. And from now on, you're going to be number two 
in this whole country right behind me. In the midst of trial and circumstance. When he possibly, if he wanted to choose, it's a good word, choice, that you used this morning. You can choose to see your circumstance. But he knew God was with him. And so he rises to power and does exactly what the Lord says. And he says, you know what, we're going to set aside a bunch of food because in seven years we're going to need this food. What he doesn't know is that in seven years, the people that left him for dead in another country, his family, his brothers, are actually going to come to Egypt to try to buy food from him without knowledge that he's even alive, much less number two running the country. This is an astounding story. So his brothers unknowingly come to Egypt and stand before Joseph, and he does not make it clear that he's their brother. He hides his face. And they say, please, would you allow us to buy some food to take back? Our father and another brother are back there. And we have another brother, but he passed away, and that's him standing right in front of them. Now listen to me. You ever heard the term, an eye for an eye? Does this seem like that might be the time? Does this seem like if you're ever going to make anybody pay for something they did for, to you, that this is it? Does this seem like the time when frustration and bitterness for years have built up? For years abandonment, disappointment, hatred, lying about him for years. Talk about a choice. But he knew God was with him. He knew that God had him. When I was about six years old, My dad and mom and sister, we all moved from San Antonio, Texas to a little town in West Texas called San Angelo. San Angelo, anybody from San Angelo here? Oh, right here, this beautiful lady in the front. And uh, my dad had been trained for uh, uh, five or 10 years before that as a young man working in large freight companies in Houston and San Antonio, large, uh, big, big companies with hundreds of employees. And he was a manager and 24-7, crazy, stressful job. And, and we went out to San Angelo because my dad was an oil field headhunter. He hired people to work in the oil fields in the early 80s. And uh, that clues you in on how, how old I am. And, uh, and, but, you know, soon that went um, kind of dry. That, 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 e- that part of the economy dried up a little bit. And, and things shifted. The economy shifted. And so my dad took a job as... Uh, he, he was the manager of, a, of a, a full service repair shop and gas station in our little town down on Bryant, that Gulf station downtown. And I had to go to work with him a lot. And, uh, and I remember one day that things changed. And I just remember thinking, I don't ever go with my dad to the place where he always goes to work. Because I used to go do that because I was a young kid. And I loved that. And one day things changed and, and my dad launched a company on his own just like the one he was trained in in Houston and San Antonio, small package pickup and delivery. And um, 
And, and if you've ever owned a business, any business owners in here? You realize that usually things ain't perfect. <laughs> ever. Right? Never are things perfect. And, uh, but what's amazing is my dad had this in his heart to do, and he launched this company out, and the company began to grow, and it went from one truck to three trucks to five trucks, and contractors and employees and dispatchers, and all throughout the city, and eventually becoming a multi-million dollar company with offices in Abilene, San Angelo, Midland, Odessa, and Waco, all around West Texas. You ever seen those yellow vans that drive around? I'm not going to mention the name on them, but we were them all West Texas. They paid us to drop all their freight. And, uh, and what, I'm, what I learned from my dad were some amazing things because, you know, there were days where people didn't show up to work. You ever had that? There were days where there wasn't any money. We had a $5,000, $10,000 payroll, and we had no money. I didn't know what we were going to do. There were days where every truck in the fleet broke down, and I had to go recover everything on them and drive them six more hours. And there were days where we got in arguments. There were days where people refused to do what they were paid to do. There were days where the weather was bad. But one thing I do know is that Dad never gave up. That he never quit no matter how bad it was because he had this in him, yeah. in his heart. This is what I'm supposed to do. I launched this dream because this is who I am. This is what God has given me. And today I want you to, I want you to know that whether it's an alpha moment or an omega moment in your life, right now, sitting in this place, whatever season you're going through, whatever's putting itself in in, in, this, in this situation right in front of you that you have to add God to your perspective. You got to add God to your perspective, right? My dad knew day after day, year after year, that he would not give up. The world calls that stubborn. The church calls it faith. I think it's both. It's trusting, clinging to, and relying on what Jesus did. Not what I can do. Let me sit back here for a second. Lord, I need you. You're welcome in this situation. I need your wisdom. I need your peace. I need whatever you have just to make it through to tomorrow. That's what I need. And as we're finishing up, I want to direct your attention to Genesis chapter 45. At this moment, his brothers are standing before him not knowing who he is. Number two in the country, trying to buy some food to take back to their homeland to feed their families and their father. And if there's ever a moment when bitterness can cause anybody to make a bad choice, it's now. And this should speak to you about who your God is. This should speak to you about the fact that He is with you this morning. Verse 1 says, Then Joseph could not restrain himself before all those who stood by him, and he cried out, Make everyone go out from me. Everybody get out of here. So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. Verse 2, And he wept aloud. And the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard it. 
Then Joseph said to his brothers, boys, I'm going to get you. You don't know how bad you hurt me years ago when you abandoned me. You don't know that you started this trail of carnage in my life years ago, wreckage. Where I feel like if I even make it to the end, I'll be stumbling across the finish line because of you. You lied about me. You left me for dead in the ground. No, he didn't say that. You know what he did say? He said, I'm Joseph. Does my father still live? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed in his presence. You know what that means? <laughs> Holy smokes. Boys, we in trouble. We're either going to jail, or we're going to be sent back with no money and no food, or we're going to be beat, or all of the above. And Joseph said to his brothers, please come near me. So they came near. Then he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. I could do this. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. Please don't regret the past. Please don't think about it. For God sent me here before you to preserve life. So there's a reason that I'm here. There's a reason that God is with me for this moment right now. He said, for these two years, the famine has been in the land, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing, uh, plowing or harvesting. And verse 7, and God sent me before you. When I could have given up, when I could have thrown my hand, when I could have cursed God for everything that I'd been through, I'm realizing now that that was an alpha moment. That was an alpha moment, a beginning that I allowed God to be in because he said he's with me. God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth. And to save your lives by a great deliverance. Because God is with me. And he's put me in front of you so that this family would live on. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he's made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. And he takes the opportunity to say, go home and get dad. And not only that, but get your family, your children, and your children's children and come back because God has put me in such a place that our family can live now in Egypt with plenty to eat. And the story gets astounding-er. Because Pharaoh says the exact same thing. He says, Joseph, 
these are your brothers? They don't have anything to eat back home? Well, you need to go get your dad and whoever's there and bring your whole family back and your kids and their kids. And you're going to come back and eat off the fat of the land in the best area, Goshen. And I believe that was because God was with him. And I believe in that alpha moment that Joseph said, God truly is with me. He really, really was with me in the pit. He was with me when I was sold into slavery. He was with me when that wicked woman lied about me. He was with me down underground in the dungeon. And he's with me now as you come before me. Because that's what family does. That is exactly what family does. And this morning, folks, I want to remind you that you're part of this family. You're not part of this house. You're part of God's family. By simply trusting in Jesus. Romans 8, chapter, uh, chapter 8, verse 28 says, And we know that all things work together for good. Wow. That story right there. One thing after the other, bad, worse, terrible, no way out, no light at the end of the tunnel. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren sitting right here. You're part of this family now. Moreover, whom he predestined, he also called. And whom he called, these he also justified. Whom he justified, these he also glorified. And here's how this morning, here's how you can know that you're part of the family of God. Because I know that sometimes we go through life and, and we either question, do I really believe what the Bible says? Listen, I'm going to be honest with you. Everybody's done that. Do I really believe this? Because, man, it is not in action in my life right now. Anybody ever done that before? Is this true? Because what I'm seeing in my life is way different than what this says. This is how you can know you're part of the family. Paul's talking in Romans chapter 11, and he's differentiating the children of Israel and the Gentile church coming into this family, being brought into this family. And it's beautiful. It's a beautiful visual, and it finishes with a powerful thought. Paul says, For if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. Do you like being called a lump? And if the root is holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches were broken off, and you being a wild olive tree, any wild olive trees in here? were grafted in among them and with them became a partaker of the root and the fatness of the olive tree, do not boast against the branches. But if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root. The root supports you. You're part of this family for a reason. 
you're grafted into this family for a reason. Because God loves. Because God is love. See, Jesus opened this door for all of us sitting in this place, all of us watching online, to walk right into this house like we've always belonged here. And if you're already part of the family today, I just want to tell you to allow God to brag on you a little bit. Sometimes it's hard for us to hear praise and nice comments about ourselves, but God's bragging on you because he wants you in his family. John chapter 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not, shall not perish but have everlasting life. And 17, much less referenced verse, says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that, but that the world through him might be saved. That was his intention. And so we can keep that in our minds, that God is for me. He's with me. In the midst of whatever's going on, that is not what I'm going to focus on. I'm going to focus on this, that I'm part of this family, that he loves me. See, his plan was for you to be part of the family the whole time. In fact, he loved you first. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19 said, we love him. It's a response from us. We love him because he first loved us. Religion tells you, don't blow it. Don't make him mad at you. You don't want to even see what's going to happen. Religion tells you, you didn't even read your Bible last week. How's somebody going to see you as a good person? Religion tells you, how many Sundays did you miss church? You can't go back there. You can't show your face around there. Religion says, what have you done for me lately? But God says, I loved you first. I loved you first. And it's just a natural response from us to just say, yeah. Man, God, thank you so much. I believe, I trust, pressure's off. I no longer have to live up to this expectation of feeling falling short in my own eyes, much less your eyes, because the expectation is now on Jesus. He loved you first. And if you're sitting in this place or maybe watching online and you don't know that love, man, it is so beautiful. And it's so simple. Sometimes we overcomplicate God. And I love scriptures like this. We love him because he first loved us. That's easy for me to, I can digest that. That tells me that I don't have to live up to this expectation. I just have to receive his love. See myself like he sees me, which is worthy of that love. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that his son Jesus was crucified, died, was buried, and rose again on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and is seated at the right hand of 
the Father. That's the simple gospel. That's the simple good news of the gospel. And those of you that are in this place or watching today or listening to the podcast, you may already know that. But man, we can never be reminded too many times of that love because that love is what changes us from the inside out. Religion says, oh, I'll change you. I'll change you from the outside in. I'll tell you what to do. I'll tell you what not to do. And if you don't do it right, you're going to pay. So much more beautiful to have something changed from the inside out. Have this experience with God's love and realize, wow, He is for me. He does love me. So whichever camp you're in this morning, if you already know God's love, if you already have received Jesus as your Savior or not this morning, I want to encourage you. I want to pray for you. And I would tell you, if you've never done that, today could be the first day of the rest of your life. Today could be the most beautiful thing you've ever done is just releasing ownership of this life, releasing the steering wheel to this life and saying, Lord, I'm ready for you to take over. I've done this on my own. I've tried. I've failed. I've been down. I've been up. And I'm ready to just, I'm ready for something new. Today is your day. So I want to pray for you, Father. God, I thank you for your goodness. That beautiful exchange that we read about in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the beginning of that chapter, Lord, that says when Jesus willingly gave himself up for us that everything changed. And so today, Lord, we declare by faith, just trusting in, clinging to and relying on his sacrifice That it's no longer about what we do or don't do. It's simply about us believing that he was and always will be enough. And Lord, those that are in this place or watching or listening, Lord, I, I thank you for a spirit of faith today that will allow them to say, I believe in that Jesus. I make him king of my heart. I make him Lord of my life. And I'm ready for something new. I choose today to receive your love. I choose today to receive your son. And I thank you for it. Lord, minister, continue to minister grace and strength to your people. Grace and strength right now to their minds and their bodies. Lord, as today we've been reminded that in the midst of trial and circumstance that we have you with us and that we would leave differently adding you to our perspective in every situation and I thank you God that you're for us and not against us that you come that we would have life and that more abundant and Lord that you first loved us in Jesus name Amen.
enjoying the podcast? If you want more, you can always visit One Cause Church on YouTube and Facebook to watch full services.